as I prayed about it, I felt this morning would be a good time to share about the Beatitudes. And because of time, and I'm just going to get to the first two this morning, we find the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. If you are able, would you please rise for the reading of our Savior's word. And seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we bless you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has chosen us and given to us your holy word. May it go out and accomplish that which you desire. Bind us to your word and to our Messiah, Jesus. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. You may be seated. It's my hope that in sharing about these two Beatitudes that, that we can not only just learn about them, but also how to make them our own. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Right away, the first thing that we need to recognize is that in the culture that Jesus is from, the very first thing that you speak about is the most important. And so with that in mind, this first beatitude would be the most important one. Because if you don't get this one, you're not going to get the rest. If you can't understand this first one, then the other ones aren't going to make much sense. I think that I can safely say that each and every one of us have something that we would like to change about ourselves. If we were to really think about it, we would probably find an area or two that we can say, yes, this needs work. I need to, to change this attitude or I need to break this habit or change the way that I react or maybe a thought pattern or negative speech because none of us have reached the point yet where we are perfect. At least I'm not anyway. If we want the kind of change that Jesus would have for us, if we want it to actually happen, then Jesus says that we have to get this first beatitude. We have to have, we have, to have this. We have to be poor in spirit. And what does it mean to be poor in spirit? I think most of us know that it's another way of saying be humble or to be teachable. And that's something for us to think about. Because we may not view ourselves as being arrogant, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we are humble or teachable. If we have pride and ego in the way of thinking that, that we can fix our problems ourselves or if we think that, that we're the ones that have things under control, or maybe we have an idea of, yes, some people have said some things, I've read some books, and, and it's all pretty good. And I, I take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but all in all, ultimately, I'm the one that has all this figured out. If we have any of this, or if we think that we can get through life by what we know, or if we have the concept that if we just had enough money, then everything would be better, everything would be fine. If we have the idea that we can get by with our looks or the connections we have or the people we know, if we have any of that going on through us, then we are not ready for real change. 
One great illustration of this opening beatitude is the story of a king who was very proud, very arrogant. He paid to have the best teachers and the best philosophers, the best scientists come and teach him in his palace. And so he viewed himself as being a very intelligent person. But there was one teacher who would not come to teach him. And when, when the king had heard that this teacher was making his way through, through his town, he kind of made the teacher show up at his palace. And he asked the teacher to pour him a cup of tea. And as the teacher pours the cup of tea, he pours and fills it to the rim of the cup. And then he keeps on pouring until the tea overflows and pours out onto the table. And he continues to pour until the tea is flowing off the sides of the table onto the floor. And the king says, that's enough. The cup is full. It can't hold anymore. To which the teacher said, exactly. And the teacher left. His point to the king was that you already think that you have all the answers. You already think that you are as smart as you can be. You already think that you know how to do everything. So there is nothing that I can offer you. And anything that I would offer you would simply just pour out onto the floor. If we want Jesus to change our lives, then we have to have space in our cup for him to be poured into. But if our lives are filled with other priorities, and other things that we would rather be doing, then there's no place for Jesus to fit in. If other things fill our time to where we can't find time to study his word, to spend time in prayer with him, and communicating with him, or going to other gatherings that, that, that churches and ministries put together, then we have no space in our lives then for God or Jesus. We have to empty ourselves and become vessels that are ready to receive. When we feel that we are poor in spirit and grieve that we have not experienced greater truths of God, then and only then will we find comfort. And there is that second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. No doubt we all mourn, and for very legitimate reasons. But this is the real key to understanding what Jesus is saying. What are we mourning about? We all grieve, we have shed tears, we become sad. For some it's, it's the loss of a loved one. For others it could be the loss of a job, worldly pleasures or possessions. But this is not the kind of mourning that Jesus is talking about. The mourning that Jesus calls blessed, the grieving that Jesus says brings happiness is very rare because it comes from a spiritual loss. 
for those who are born again, for those who have given their life to Christ. I think most of us remember the time when we were saved, and I'd like you to take a second and think about how you were feeling at that time that you asked Christ into your life. How were you feeling right before and right after? When you gave your life to God and confessed your sins and asked Jesus to be your Savior, at that moment, you were experiencing the kind of grief that Jesus is speaking about. That morning, you were experiencing a spiritual loss. You didn't know Jesus, but deep within you, you felt that you needed him. And so you called out to him. And at that moment, God forgave. You were cleansed by the blood of Christ. And you were saved. You had a spiritual loss that made you cry out. And God heard. And God gave you comfort. Now I have to ask how many times since that moment if you are saved how many times since then have you cried out to God because you want to know him even more deeper to be closer with him to be nearer to him than ever before crying out to God that you are not experiencing enough of him well this is the morning that Jesus is speaking of the idea of God comforting me is an amazing thought. The king of the universe would hear me and desire to be near me and to fill me, to bring me comfort. It's an amazing thing. But in order for God to comfort me and to come and to hold me and embrace me and heal me and make me good, I have to mourn for him and long for him. David says in Psalm 42, as the deer longs for streams of water, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When will I come and appear before God? You can hear, you can hear the cry of his heart. Most of us are probably satisfied with a lot of the surface area of our life. It's in the back of our minds. We know that there are probably some things that need to change in us, some areas where we may be lacking. And some people hope that this spiritual lack can be filled with things of the world. Just think about that for a second. We know that there is an area of our life that needs attention, that things are not flowing correctly that we need some help and change in part of our life. But instead of facing it, instead of looking it in the eye and taking it on, we distract ourselves. We get busy with other things. We try to fill it with other things. And here we are back at being too busy again for God. Or some of us try to choose just not to think about it. The truth is, that we really don't like change, do we? We want to change as little as possible. I remember years back, I was ministering to a young man. 
He had just reached 20 years of age. And he was already headed down the road to alcoholism. He had recently become saved. And he had decided that he did not want to drink anymore. And he sat there saying, okay, I know I need to change, but I still want to hang out with my same friends. I still want to hang out with the same people. And he said, I, I know I need to change, and I really want to change, but, you know, I still want to kind of go to the same places, because that's where my friends go, you know? I still want to do the same things that I have always done, I want everything to be the same, but still I want to change. It's easy to see where he was going to wind up if he continued to have those thoughts and to stay on that path, isn't it? But it's, isn't that the same way that we think? We want changes, but we're slow to make changes. This change that comes about, this inward change, this spiritual change that comes about, it comes about by being poor in the spirit and mourning for a desire to have a deeper relationship with God. A great teacher once said that people will weep rivers of tears because they cannot become rich or because they cannot conceive a child, but who sheds even one tear because they have not experienced God or not experiencing enough of God? Well, that is the mourning that Jesus is talking about. Have you shed a tear for God, for your connection to God, for your relationship or lack of connection to God? When we begin to realize and feel a spiritual lack within ourselves, when we begin to mourn the way that Jesus would want us to mourn, when we can shed just one tear for God, then at that point we have opened up the vessel to prepare a way for God to come and fill us and to comfort us and to bring about change. There's a 16th century book called The Imitation of Christ that was written by a monk who just kind of wrote a page a day. And it was on his immense love of Jesus. And he talks about what it means to mourn and to cry for God. And he wrote this prayer. O Lord God, when shall I be made one with you? When shall I be molded in your love so that I will wholly forget myself? Be in me so that I will be in you. Grant that I would so abide with you that we are forever one. You can hear the yearning, just like with King David and his psalm. You can hear the yearning in his heart to be one with God. We must come to this stage, he says, when we feel that, that absolutely nothing can give us peace except God. And it is then that God will draw us to himself as a magnet draws a needle. So may we empty ourselves 
knowing that we are spiritually poor so we can be filled with the things of God. And may we grieve for our desire to draw nearer to God, nearer still to our Heavenly Father. This is how real change happens. I had mentioned earlier about being saved, and if there is anyone here that has not taken that step, then I would welcome you to come and speak with me or one of the elders, and we would be happy to speak with you and to pray with you. Will you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, there is nothing by accident. And there are no coincidences in life. Where we are is where you want us to be. We may think that we know why we are here, but you know the real reason. You also have a purpose for us to be here. Everyone that is here is here by invitation. You have invited them through the prompting of your spirit, through the working of the hearts and minds of people in their lives, the working of their own hearts and lives. And Lord, we are here that we might encourage one another, that we might learn to empty our teacup a little bit of ourselves and try to let go of trying to be in control or always being right or always thinking that we know better or thinking we always have to have the last word. May we pour a little bit of those things out of our cup so that more of you can come in. We are here because you invited us. You invited us to be in this community, to love, support, and encourage, to walk alongside. May you fill each one of us with the desire for you, a desire that overwhelms us, that we mourn, that a tear comes to our eye, and then may we know your comfort. Lord, be with us and bless our coming and going. In Jesus' name, amen.